Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. If this is your first time here, you're joining us for worship for the first time, welcome. So glad you're here with us. If you're joining online, welcome. So many things going on today. Uh, Easter is just around the corner. As you came in on the tables uh, right outside the doors there, there's these invites. These are invite cards for Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday morning. So if you uh, want to grab one of these, you can grab a few of them, invite your neighbors, family, friends, and maybe put one on your refrigerator. It's got the dates, Palm Sunday, April 10th at 10 a.m., Good Friday is 7 p.m. April 15th, and Easter Sunday, April 17th at 10 a.m. So grab one of those or five of those, invite some friends and family. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection this Easter. So excited for our Easter celebrations. Um, Also, um, today is voting day for our two elders. This is a vote of affirmation. Uh, That means that it's kind of that statement that's made at uh, wedding ceremonies. We hear that if you've ever heard, if anyone has any reason for these two not to be married. Speak now or forever, hold your peace. It's kind of the same kind of idea. So um, uh, if, if you want to take one of these white, they should have, this is for members only too. So members, these white ballots, you can fill these out and just drop these in the boxes, the tithe boxes as you leave today. And we'll announce the new elders um, next Sunday, Lord willing. All right. Well, I, don't know, I, I, I can't even believe what I'm about to say, but we have only one more Sunday service here at the high school next Sunday. Wow. Um, man, uh, it's, it's amazing. The building's pretty much done. Uh, well, I was walking through it this past week. There's some small, minor things that they have to get finished, um, paint a few areas that, that need to be painted, and, and the carpet going down in the balcony. But other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty much ready. We have some be praying. We have some, uh, what do they call it? The fire marshal is going to be going through getting approval for occupancy permits and all that kind of stuff. So be praying for that. Lord willing, we have one more Sunday here at the high school, but uh, there are those uh, things that need to be approved. So anyways, be praying for that. And, um, and Lord willing, one more Sunday here at the high school. A lot of people have been calling and asking, hey, how can we help? What can we do? Um, Yes, you can help, and there's a ton that you can do. What we're going to be doing is uh, we'll have probably a couple work days that we're going to be inviting the church to come and help with. We have children's classrooms that need to be set up, things that need to be built and put into those classrooms, TVs that will need to be hung on the walls. I think the mounts will be on the walls already, but TVs need to be put on those mounts, a ton of different things. So um, be looking for an email or a social media blast that will tell you when those um, work days are. Joe is pointing to the program. Is it already in there, Joe? Hey, it's already in there. It's already in there. It's in the program. You can check that out, and uh, we would greatly appreciate your help. Um, good news. Uh, all the chairs are in. I don't know if you knew this or not, but um, we ordered chairs. When we bought the building, the very first thing that we did to prepare the new building was we ordered chairs. And um, the company that we ordered the chairs from let us know that they didn't have parts and they didn't have anything to make the chairs for us. And uh, they gave us these generic emails we were getting each week telling us we weren't going to have chairs, you're not going to have chairs, and we don't know when we can get you your chairs. And so that's great. Uh, you know, we'd love to have our first Sunday in the building and everybody's, it's B- BYOB or BYOC, bring your own chair type thing. No, we don't want to do that. We want everybody to have a chair to sit in. So um, um, thank God. There was, we had a 
a deposit on those chairs. It was very high deposit. It was non-refundable, non-refundable deposit. And I was super stressed out about that, but the company agreed to refund the deposit, and we were able to buy chairs from another company that had chairs in Columbus, Ohio, and shipped them to the building this week. So we have chairs. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. All right, Zach, thank you so much for being willing to loan us your chairs. What a guy. We were going to have some chairs, but anyways. um, We've been in the book of Mark. We have looked last uh, couple weeks at parables that Jesus taught. And today we're going to look at two more parables that Jesus teaches. And I've, I've really enjoyed studying through this and looking at this this last week. Um, I'm excited about, about what God has for us this morning. Have you guys ever heard the statement, you can't just have one? Have you ever heard that you, you can't just eat one or you just can't have one of these things? Does anybody have one of those things that you can only have one of? What is it? Ken, what is it? Oh, never mind. He's not going to confess it today, right? Maybe it's potato chips, or, or maybe it's, Zach, what is it? Uh-oh. You, you could have just one of those, Zach. But no, like, you, Nerds Candies, have you guys ever had Nerds Candies? Those Nerds Candies, you can't just have one. Potato chips, it's things like that, right? Or I got the bad look on the Nerds Candies. Maybe it's Junior Mints or something like that. Girl Scout Cookies, that's a good one. And it's that time of year, isn't it? Girl Scout Cookies. It's those things that we really, really enjoy, right? It's those things that they, once we think about them, we can't get them off our minds, um, whether it be ice cream or nerds games or whatever it is. We think about it, we, then we make plans on how we can get it, right? And then once we have it, we tell everybody about it, and then maybe even we make plans to go get that with some friends too. We're like, like hey, let's go to Pavs. We're all going to meet at Pavs at such and such a time. We're really going to enjoy this and have this together. Now, those, those can be really, really good things, right? It's, they can be bad things if we obsess over them and we are, you know, we're willing to do things we shouldn't do in order to get those things, but those can be really good things. Today, as Jesus is talking through these parables, there's something underneath this parable. There's something in these two parables. There's a truth here that there's a part of us that should always be longing after Christ. And that longing, that pursuit, that relationship that we have with Jesus is meant to be something that continually grows. And it's, it's something that we just can't get enough of. So there's three things, three kind of stories that Jesus tells. The first is about light, and then the second two are about seeds. And we're going to find out that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light that that comes into our lives and changes us. And that light, this starting out of these parables that Jesus tells, is the foundation. The light is the foundation for the following two parables or stories that Jesus tells. So let's pray before we jump into Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we open up into Mark, Lord, and and his gospel, his testimony of the life of Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears for what you have for us. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would soften our hearts to receive the truths of your word, that it would take deep root in our lives and that it would change us, God, that we would leave this place different than we walked in. Come and have your way, God. We surrender to you. Father, I pray that you would use me. Give me the words to share for your kingdom and for your glory and for our good. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Let's pick this up. Mark chapter 4 and verse 21. It says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now the first thing I kind of want to draw our attention to, the start of this text is this. It's the first fill in your notes. is We have seen the light and we are called to share the light. We've seen the light and we're called to share the light. This truth sets the stage for the following two parables that Jesus is about to tell. He's, Jesus is pointing out the power, certainty, and inevitability of the success and fruition of the kingdom of God. The Messiah is going to win. Jesus is going to win. There's no getting around it. There's no possibility for failure. Jesus will get the victory. The mystery will be revealed to the world. And it had been revealed to the disciples, and it's revealed to us that Jesus won, that Jesus conquered death, that Jesus conquered sin. And that that truth will work itself out in the lives of those who hear it and accept it. The measure you use it, understand it, apply it, walk in it, it will be measured to you. God's truth is like an avalanche. It starts out as just a little snowball working its way down the mountain, building momentum and building size, building mass. And the next thing you know, it is an unstoppable force that will just consume everything in its path. This is the kingdom of God. It starts out with the birth of Christ, just a little baby in a manger, a small little snowball. And he lives out the perfect life that you and I can't live. And he teaches these truths that are so amazing and so life-changing. And he lives out this perfect life as an example for all of us. And this snowball turns into this huge avalanche of life-changing power that will inevitably do what it is meant to do. It is unstoppable, undeniable Jesus' work, the kingdom of God. Now, this is, this is what's underneath. This is the truth that motivates and, and empowers these next two things that Jesus is going to talk about. Jesus is the light. That's whose the light is. That's, that's what the light stands for. It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the kingdom of God made manifest in the person of Jesus. The power of God made manifest in a human being truly God and truly man, the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In John 12, 46, it says, he, come, he came as the light into the world. He is the light of men in John 1, 4. The true light in John 1, 9. And the light of the world in John 8, 12. The light does so many different things in our hearts and in our lives. The light casts out darkness. The light exposes things we try to hide. The light gives us confidence. The light casts out fear. And the light shows us the way. Christ does all of these things in our hearts and in our lives. In this life, in this 
struggle we have in this life with sin. I talk to so many people that are dealing with different things, you know, whether it's a struggle with, well, you can just name your thing, whatever it may be. That struggle that we have, it, it does really well when we keep it in secret, when we hide it, when we don't tell anyone about it, when we, we keep it in, you know, in the, in the dark. But sin that we're dealing with and the struggles that we have in our lives, when we bring it into the light, like Scripture teaches us to confess our sins to one another, when we bring that sin to the light to someone we trust, someone who cares about us, someone who loves the Lord, and we can confide in, when we trust someone with that, when we bring our sin into the light, sin dies in the light. Sin, sin is it just flourishes in the darkness, but sin dies in the light. The light, Jesus does so much for us. So how then do we respond to this extraordinary light, this lamp, this Jesus, the Messiah? Let's see what he says here in the parables. And he said, the kingdom of God, this is verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. I love, I love that he puts that in there. You might want to underline that and serve that. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What's Jesus getting out here? He's saying this. We spread the word, but God brings forth the fruit. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It is the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the worked out will of God. And Jesus brought that kingdom with him in the flesh. Jesus' first coming was the inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. And Jesus' second coming, that is still to come, will be the culmination of this kingdom of God. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God as having come now, but is still not yet. We live in this now, not yet kingdom where the kingdom of God is now and we see it, we understand it, we have victory over sin, we have victory over death, but we don't have full victory because Christ hasn't come again. The culmination of that kingdom hasn't. That's why we we still struggle and combat sin. That's why we still die today unless Christ comes back before we go to see him. We are in the now but not yet kingdom. In this now and not yet kingdom, we've been given a job to do. We have been commissioned by our creator. We have been given seeds to plant. What is the seed? Now we're all farmers here today. Any farmers? If you're a Christian, you're a farmer. You're meant to throw seed out on the ground. What is the seed? That's right. The seed is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We are all farmers. We're farming in the kingdom, and we're sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have a Savior. We have something that the world is desperate for that the world is longing for, that every human being that exists is desperate for. All of us, all of us have been there. You may be there today. You're living this life, 
waking up doing the nine to five, Monday through Friday thing, trying to live the American dream, accumulating things, trying to fill a void, binging Netflix, I mean, whatever it may be. Every single one of us were created with a God-shaped void inside of us. And we can try and fill that God-shaped void with all kinds of false gods. Food, money, wealth, power, addictions, throw it in there. We can try and fill that void. But the only thing, the only one who can fill that void is Jesus, the light of the world. And we find that hope, that ultimate joy and satisfaction is only found in him. This Messiah that has come and made a way for us to be in right relationship with God. If you're here today and you're struggling, you're struggling, you're looking for that lasting, lasting hope. I mean, you've tried, you've, you've bought the nice house that's not so nice anymore. You bought the nice car that's all rusted and gross now. You've tried to fill it with retirement accounts that are just crashing right now because of the war and other things. You've tried to fill it with everything else. And Jesus is saying he is the only one. He's the only one. Church, that's what we're meant to share. That's the seed that we cast out. That's what we put out. That Jesus is the only way. He's the hope of the world. That he did what no human could do. That that sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And it created this huge chasm between creation and creator. But God in mercy and love sent his only son Jesus to repair that brokenness. And Jesus did what we could never do. He lived the perfect life and he died a sinner's death and he conquered death and sin when he rose the third day. And now, now he's inviting you into relationship with him. Saying, listen, you can't do it. You can't do it, but let me tell you, I've already done it. Put your trust and faith in me and what I've done. And that brokenness that happened in the garden, that separation of creation and creator can be healed. You can have right relationship with your creator. All that you've been searching for, all that you've tried to fill your life with to to, to fill that that God-shaped void, all of that, you don't need any of that. You need Christ. And he invites you into that relationship. We share that truth. That's the seed that we send out. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. I know as we think about sharing the good news of the gospel, it's intimidating, right? I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like it's not, especially as our culture becomes more and more anti-Christian, right? More and more this attack that comes against, against Christianity. It's intimidating to think about going to our neighbor and sharing the gospel or sharing the truth. You're like, how are they going to respond, you know? You know, are they, are they going to, like, yell at me? Are they going to, like, tell me not to talk to them? Are they going to attack Christianity, call me a hypocrite, or anything like this? It can be intimidating. But here's, here's what Jesus is getting at, and here's what's going to come, is that the response to us sharing the gospel isn't your responsibility. It's not on us. 
How people respond to the truth of God's word and how people respond to how we love them with the love of Christ, that's not our problem. That's God's problem. God's the one who brings the fruit. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says this, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. There is power in the word of God that goes beyond our understanding. Do you remember when it said, I said, underline that part, he knows not how? We know not how. We have the responsibility to share the gospel. We're not responsible for people's response to the gospel. There's going to be people that hear the gospel and respond and accept it, and they just are ecstatic because they recognize their need for a Savior, and they find the Savior. And there'll be others that hear the gospel, and they're like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I, you know, I'm a pretty good person, though. I don't know that I need a Savior. And then there's other people that are going to be like, you know, just combatant and, and don't want to hear anything about it. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to share the good news. And this is our mission at Mission View Church. This is such a powerful word for us this morning because one of the biggest downfalls for churches that move into new facilities or new buildings is to think that they finally arrived. You build some nice big building and you think that, oh, we've done our job. We've accomplished what God has sent us here for. Let me just throw that idea right out the window, right up front. We're not, and I've said this a lot, but we're not building some cruise ship that we could just jump on and play shuffleboard and, and jump in the pool. That is not what we've built. We have built a battleship. That is the start. And I've said this before. When we are saved, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, it, it, is, it is not rainbows and unicorns. We are saved from sin and we are saved to war. A spiritual battle that has been waging on for all of eternity. It is good versus bad. It is light versus dark. We are saved into this battle. You are jumping on board a battleship and God is telling you, here's your job. Here's your one job. Go and make disciples, share the good news, and see what I do with it. It is what we are called to do. It is our mission. Make disciples. The way you make disciples is you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The Messiah has come. He's made a way. He is everything you've been looking for, everything you've been longing for, and he's the only one that can fill the void that you have in your heart. God says his word does not come back void. He will accomplish what he wants to do in spite of you. You may be an introvert. You may be out there, man, that's just not me. I'm just not wired that way. Baloney. God has wired every human being to share the gospel. There is someone out there. There is someone out there that is meant to hear the gospel from you. God says that before he created the world, before time began, he knew your name and he had set aside, get this, he set aside good works for you to do. What are those good works? Sharing the gospel. That's the good work. That's what we do with the words that we say, with the life that we live. It is all Christ. It is all the Holy Spirit working through us. It is all him. 
And as we live out our lives and we point to the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, we share the gospel. And here's the scary thing about this is you are sharing the gospel whether you know it or not. We are all sharing the gospel whether we know it or not. Because we come to church on Sunday mornings and we walk out the doors and our friends and our neighbors and our family members know that we call ourselves Christians and we are sharing the gospel with them right now. How you doing? How are we doing? It's not a question of if you will share it. The question is, how are you sharing it? God is calling us to this. God is He's not called, he's commanded us to do this. Our purpose, our mission, our vision keep us united and it keeps us purposeful. It keeps us motivated. Just to remind you our purpose is to love God and love others. It comes out of the great commandment in scripture. Our mission is to make disciples. It comes out of the great commission. And our vision is to reach 200,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of God. That's a God-sized vision. Invite your neighbors over for dinner. How do we do this? Invite your neighbors over for dinner. Build relationships with people who aren't Christians. Have conversations. Share your God story. Don't be afraid to share what God has done in your life. Because here's the reality. The world is looking for it. Now, they're not just looking for it. They are desperate for it. What God has done in your life, that he has saved you from sin and saved you to righteousness, your neighbors are desperate for that. I mean, we live out our lives struggling and, and we live in a fallen world with sin all around us and encroaching upon us and all of this mess the culture's getting in and lies that it tells. The world is desperate for truth. The world has built up your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, which means there's no such thing as truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way and I am the life. And the world is desperate for it. And we don't tell anybody about it, though. Oh, don't offend anybody. Not, not real politically correct to talk about religion at work. Give me a break. Give me a break. God commands us. He's not calling you. That's too soft a language. God commands us to share our God stories, to glorify Him, to lift Him up, and he says, when the Son of Man is lifted high, he will draw all men to himself. God is the one who brings the fruit. We're just responsible to share what God has done in me and you. Where does he go from here? In verse 30, he says, and he said to them, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's like a speck. I mean, it is really small. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nest in its shade. Now, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them. 
as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. That last part always hits, sticks me. But privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Who would have liked to be a fly on that wall? Right? Like Jesus is out teaching in public. We know it's like 15,000 people at a time. He's out in a boat and he's teaching all these things and he's sharing these parables. And like these disciples in private, he's like, all right, guys, here's what it's all about. I mean, no wonder the apostles did what they did, right? I mean, rubbing shoulders with the Son of God, the God-man. And he's just telling them all of these secrets in private. What, a, what an amazing state. Okay, that's the side note. The, the, the third thing I want us to really g- grab out of this, and the third filling in your notes is this. What seems small at first will later bring the greatest harvest. Spread the seed, the good news, and trust God to be God. That's, I think that's one of the biggest whole things that, w- that hold us back. We don't think God can be God. If we really believed God could be God, you wouldn't hesitate to share the gospel. I wouldn't hesitate. If I really believed God was all-powerful, all-knowing, and in control of all things, sovereign above all. I mean, sitting outside of time with, with the power to do anything he wants to do, no matter what. If I really believed that, if I believed that's who God was, I wouldn't hesitate to tell my neighbor about God. We need a change of belief. Let me say it this way. We need an increase of belief. God wants to grow and change and sanctify the belief that he's put in us already. That this this belief that God is God has to grow in such a way that this belief compels me to action. And it takes us back to the start of where we were in Mark. Is a light meant to be put under a bed? Is it meant to be hidden? No. It's meant to be put on a stand. That's what Jesus is saying. Is that light meant to be hidden? No. It's the light. It's Christ. We can get to the point where the good news looks like a mustard seed. We can get to the point where this this Savior who changed our lives and saved us looks like a mustard seed. We get gospel amnesia, right? It's It's like all the good things that we experience in life, right? Like at first, it's this amazing life-changing thing. Like when I first met Christ, there's, I mean, there was no way. I had no hope. There was no future for me. I had no tomorrow. I had no next year. Life was over. Sin had won. Death was right around the corner. Everything was meant for nothing. Nothing meant anything to me. There was no hope. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything right. I tried everything. I mean, I tried, I tried to fill my life with money. I tried to fill my life with fame. I tried to fill it with anything I could find. 
addictions, everything. And it led me to death. And every single one of us are in that same boat. Every single one of us were destined for death and hell. But God in his great mercy takes what we think is meaningless and hopeless and gives it life and life abundantly. I mean, unbelievable. He takes what we think is nothing and makes it everything because he fills it with him. And he is everything. We, we get to that point, we experience that, and it's like, we can't stop telling everybody about it. We're like, you're not gonna believe this. Like, I thought life was meaningless. I thought it was hopeless. I was doing all this crazy stuff, and God changed me. Like, I thought, I didn't know. I had no idea. But God just opened my eyes and changed me. And we go, we tell everybody about it. I mean, after it happens, you're just like, oh my gosh, you're telling your brothers, you're telling your sisters, you're telling your neighbors, you're telling your high school buddies, you're telling your college buddies, you're telling everybody that will listen. Like, you're not going to believe this. And then three years down the road, you're just like, that was really great. God saved me. And then 10 years down the road, you're like, yes, God saves people. Oh, that's really exciting, right? That really draws people in. No, we, we, have to re- we have to put off gospel amnesia. We have to recapture the supernatural working of Jesus Christ in sinners' hearts and sinners' lives. Recognize the good news. See God as God. My challenge to you today is that you would live as if you were desperate for Jesus. That's, I think that is for us, Mission View Church, that we would be a people that live as if we are desperate for more and more of Jesus. I mean, like, we were dependent on him for every day, every hour, every minute, every breath that we take, every thought, idea, and breath. I pray that God would make us a people so hungry for more of him that we would live in a constant, radical pursuit of Jesus. It is in that living worship, that constant communion, that pursuit that we will share the gospel, that we will share the light. Evangelism or sharing the light is a natural outworking of deep, unceasing, and persistent pursuit of God. Did you follow me on that? Evangelism or sharing the light is a natural outworking of deep, unceasing, and persistent pursuit of God. So let me say this. If you're not sharing the gospel, the problem is not that you're not sharing the gospel. That's not the problem. The problem is you're not pursuing Christ enough. If we pursue Christ, I mean, if we radically run after Jesus, the natural next step is to share him with others. We don't need to be an evangelistic people. We need to be a people so in love with Jesus that we evangelize naturally. That's what God's calling us to. That's what Jesus is getting at here. The light is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be put out everywhere. The gospel, the good news is meant to be put out everywhere. So if you run after Jesus, you're going to put the light out. You're going to share it with everyone. 
This is our purpose, love God, love others. And it's right here in what Jesus is teaching today. In fact, in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, he says, they asked teacher, they asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Big point, big news, big truth bomb right here. We will never love others truly. We will never share the light until we love God rightly. We will never love others truly until we love God rightly. What I mean by that is our love for others will fail unless it flows from our love for God. People are not always lovable. People will always let us down. People make terrible gods. But God will never fail or let us down. And when we focus on him, when our lives are lived out as a sacrifice for him, he never fails. And that intimate relationship with Christ motivates us and compels us to share the gospel. And in fact, it enables us to live out the truth that he commands us to live out. A lack of evangelism is never the main problem. A main problem is always pursuit in relationship with Jesus. Intimacy with our Savior. That's always the root of any problem we have in our lives. The more we live out love for God, the more we will love others well. So here's the progression of Jesus' word today. Jesus is the light. That light is in us and pours out of us like seeds being sown, but not just any seeds. It is like a mustard seed that grows to be the largest plant in the garden with huge limbs where birds can make nests and animals can find shade. It all starts and ends with the light. It, begin, it all begins and ends with Jesus. Mission View, let's be a people that recognize our desperation for more and more of Christ. More and more of Christ. Evangelism will happen when we're walking close with Jesus. Freedom from sin happens when we're walking close to Jesus. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. Let's run after him, amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, we pray that we would be a people in passionate pursuit of you, Jesus. That one moment isn't enough. We can't have just one. God, we want a daily, daily connection with you, Jesus, over and over and over again. Grow us deeper. Take us further. Open our eyes and our ears more and more to the truth of your word, to the gospel, that it would inspire us, that it would motivate us, that it would compel us to share the good news to let the world know of what you've done in our lives, what you've done for them. Father, make us a people on fire for you. Come and have your way in us. Use us as you see fit as we surrender to you. Raise us high or take us low. 
use us 24-7 or use us for a minute? Give us victories. Give us trials. Give us whatever we need to grow closer to you. We surrender to your truth and we surrender to your sovereign plan that you would be glorified in every situation in our lives that your word would give forth. Help us to remember the sweetness of your salvation and help us remember that eternities are at stake. We surrender to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, along those same lines, they say when you move into a new building that your church grows 40 to 45% right away. That means that God's going to be bringing a, a ton of new people to our church here in the next six months. So what I want to encourage you to do, I can't take credit for this. This was Matt Bren's idea. But I want to encourage you to be friendly and inviting to all the new faces that you see on Sunday mornings. Go introduce yourself. Say good morning to someone as they're coming in over the next six months, we're going to see a, a ton of new families and new faces. So let's, let's be the light that God's called us to be as they, they come to hear the gospel. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today.